Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ, and then to be sanctuary to each other, and express sanctuary to this city. And so, for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Danny Bartlett. I actually lead the high school youth group and I help run Gapier, our young adult discipleship program for college agers. And so I have a lot going on. And I have four kids that are six, four, three, two. Wow. So there's a lot of discipleship. And, <laughs> and even like, the, you know, it's like I'm, I'm becoming better with teenagers because um, my kids are kind of like, I don't know, teenagers are kind of like my kids. I said it over and over again. I have more patience now. And Anyway, you know what's weird is that I also like am not afraid to like be uh, like fatherly where it used to be. I used to be like a bro, like an older bro. But now that I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm like, no, don't do that. That's dumb. You're not going to do that. Where as a bro, you're like, Oh yeah, okay, yeah, you could, you could do that. Um, I don't know, but as a dad, you're kind of like, no, you just don't do that. Yeah. Anyway, I don't I don't even know I'm sharing that, but that's me. I'm gonna say things, and it's gonna be spontaneous, and I I do want you guys to get to know me. So Tom read First Corinthians 14, and um, he said something like, "Do you want me to do a call to worship?" and uh, I said, yeah, why don't you do it? I'll be excited to know what God puts on your heart. He put the very scripture uh, on Tom's heart that I'm starting off with, which makes sense because it, it, um, it is kind of the subject of the night. So I'm going to read it again. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3. If you, some of you guys, uh, you want to know that this is in the word of God and you want to know this is theologically sound, get your Bibles out because I do want your own eyes to see uh, in the word, what it says here. And then, I, I, and hopefully as you read it, you will be jolted out of um, beliefs that you've had that are not really based on what the scripture is saying, but based on maybe a tradition that you grew up in. Sometimes reading the word with your own eyes in a different context. That. Traditions are awesome. They're good guide, guidelines, but as Jesus came to show, sometimes traditions become too powerful and hinder the growth that God has for us. So um, we are going to just read it with our own eyes. And then some of you might be new uh, to Christ and uh, don't really haven't read that much of the Bible. So you'll get a little bit Bible study here tonight. So 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, Paul says, follow the way of love. And he just got done with 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter that's read at all the the weddings. And um, so he's saying, he's continuing, follow the way of love. He's exalting love. But then he says, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit, he just listed in uh, chapter 12. And they're they're tongues. Unfortunately, there's tongues. Sorry. You know, gosh. I love tongues, but I, I get it. So tongues, miraculous powers, gifts of healing, prophecy, words of knowledge, wisdom, uh, miraculous powers. He just got done listing these things and he says, pursue love, but eagerly desire those spiritual gifts. 
So when Paul says to you, outdo one another in love, you take that as like an apostolic mandate, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, because this is an inspiration of the word. He, he wrote it. This is a, a, an apostle, capital A apostle, writing scripture. He's saying, outdo one another in love. So you do that, right? Or at least we want to. And, and when we don't do it, we kind of feel bad. Why is it then, when he says, eagerly desire the sp- spiritual gifts, we don't feel bad when we don't do that? I'm not saying to be, feel guilty. I'm just saying we aspire to outdo one another in love. That was an apostolic mandate. And then when he says eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Kind of forget about that. So I just want to make the point that there are a lot of churches, and, and God loves his church. It's his bride. I want to be respectful about the church. But there's a lot of churches that are just now open to the Spirit open to the spiritual gifts. And that's cool. That's an improvement. But the scriptures don't say that that's even the right heart posture. He, Paul wants you running after those things, eagerly desiring it. Yeah. And, if, and if that's troubling for you, that's awesome because there's a lot of things like taking it on the cheek, you know, that it's troubling for me, but I still have to submit to the word of God because God wants to shape our life. Part of our sanctification process is actually going through the humility of pursuing spiritual gifts. Mm. Try speaking in tongues for the first time. Yeah. It makes you feel like a kindergartner and you feel, you feel dumb. Mm. And nothing kills pride mm. like feeling dumb. So, anyway, I just wanted to make that point because my, my heart is to pursue or is for everyone to catch a hunger for the spiritual gifts because um, I was praying this earlier, but we have great theology at, the, at our fingertips. I can, you, honestly, you don't even need a teaching night. You can just Google something and get a better teaching than what I'm going to give. Mm. You have it at your fingertips. The church doesn't lack good theology. It lacks power. That's right. wow, that's good. And so my heart and, and what I'm trying to do is I, I'm really trying to get after this. I want to see more power in my own ministry and then I want to see the church operate more power. I want, I pray big prayers for Sanctuary Church. I'm praying like, I, I even told Tom, I think, he, you know, God's given you the keys to the Golden Gate. You know, this is all prophetic weird language, but <laughs> I, I'm believing that Tom and, and Sanctuary Church, you're going to see something move because God can do it. Yeah. But he doesn't do it with open churches. He does it with eagerly desiring churches. So, I, I just, I'm ready for the big, the big catch to come in. So let me get past the first paragraph mm-hmm. so we can actually do it tonight. Um, yep, especially prophecy. That's what he says. Especially that you may prophesy. Um, Paul, I guess, favorite spiritual gift is prophecy because it builds up and encourages, it comforts, it strengthens. And this is what, this is what the that tool or that spiritual gift is for. It's to, to build one another up, to strengthen, to encourage. Um, it does correct though too. Sometimes a corrective word is encouraging. But, um, but the main way that we're going to use this gift, nine times out of ten, um, maybe even more, is it will be an encouraging word. Yeah. It will be. There are times where God can reveal something um, that is challenging for one to hear, but it eventually should end up in encouraging and strengthening. So, anyway, um, oh yeah, and it's also evangelistic too. I mean, really, 
this is incredible. I think a lot of people that I've led to the Lord have come because um, in, in our group, whether it's a youth group or in the atmosphere that I'm in charge of, someone or me has given a prophetic word that was like right on and has changed that person's life. You guys probably have had someone here that's done that. But this is what the uh, scripture says later on in that chapter. It says, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. And as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. That's in chapter 14. I think it's, what is it? 24, verse 24. Is it 1424? Okay. And then it goes on. So, um, and you know, these are heavy words like they're convicted of sin and judgment under all. But I, I, I just think of the woman at the well. She was convicted of her sin. Do you guys know that story? Oh, okay. Anyway, if you don't know the story, just read it. I don't want to get into it. But she was convicted of her sin. But you know how, I mean, don't you feel like Jesus so loved her when he was like, bringing up the secrets of her life did she, she ran off saying come see a man that told me everything i've ever done oh man sorry i will uh, kind of cry that's what happens when you come from radiant church if pastor travis is here he'll cry on you too so um so the term uh the definition and there's two books I wanted to recommend at some point. I'll just say them. But Sam Storms does an excellent job of, of kind of bringing some good theology to it. But he defines prophecy. He said, prophecy is, is the human speaking of something God has spontaneous, spontaneously brought to mind. Mm-hmm. So it's like this divine information that is brought to our mind mm-hmm. that we could not know unless God had brought it there. And even the term um, prophecy also is kind of can feel kind of sketchy because your people automatically go to the Old Testament prophets. And I just want to say a quick word about Old Testament prophets and New Testament pro- um, prophetic people or prophets is that there's just a different standard. Um, the Old Testament prophets, God only spoke through his prophets. So if God is speaking, he chose a prophet and spoke through him and they directed the nation. There's a lot at stake. The, the whole nation. So the prophet needed to get it right and needed to be really a true prophet. There was a standard that if it was a false prophet, they'd stone, right. stone him. Different standard in the New Testament. Um, the Spirit's been poured out. God speaks through His Spirit, and that's distributed to everyone. All flesh now gets the Spirit. And so now the standard isn't stone the false prophet. There, you know, false prophet is somebody who leads you away from the Lord. Somebody who gets a, a prophetic word wrong, we don't stone them anymore. We weigh things out and we sift through it. We test it. And um, there's, there's three books that I'd like to maybe recommend. Is There's a Sam Storm, two Sam Storms book called The Believer's Guide to the Gifts of Spirit. And then Practicing the Power, which is kind of the exclamation uh, mark of the first book. And so that's Sam Storms. Um, he does a great job, kind of more theology. And then there's other one, Mike Bickle, who I like him because he, um, he was with real big name prophets that were operating in highly like gifted 
offices and, and he was able to pastor them and he wasn't intimidated by the anointed prophets and he dug through a lot of weeds and has a real practical like way to do it and um, he has guidelines that he, he gives out and I just trust him so those are just two books if you want to kind of study that more like about Old Testament New Testament kind of like sift through that get the theology down you could do that um, so the sifting part there's a couple verses I should point to. It's in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. It says, Two or three prophets should speak, and others should weigh carefully what is said. Another scripture, Thessalonians 5, 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Does anybody, did anybody go to a church where they despise prophecy? That's a complete violation of scripture. It says, do not despise prophecy. And um, it says, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So there is this sifting process that we as believers filled with the Spirit. We hear someone giving a prophetic word. And we have the Spirit in us that can discern what the gold is and what you know, the dross is or whatever analogy you want to use. And that's how we do it. So that's the standard. We don't stone anybody. We, we weigh it and we take in the good and we say this was God and we, we do that in faith. And so because we do that, that kind of implies that, that giving a prophetic word has a little mixture of like a human element and the divine voice. You know, like there's a mixture. You know, we prophesy in part. That's what Paul says. I prophesy in part. You know, I see it in a mirror dimly. And so there's a little human element. So sometimes a person could receive really something from God, but because of this clumsy uh, human element that's brought to it, it can be delivered in a way that maybe God didn't want it to be that way. The person's still learning, and we are still learning. That's the point is that there's even a scripture that says, um, all of you can prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. That's in... 1 Corinthians 14. So I, um, I just want to say that it's okay to kind of get it wrong. Just do it humbly. And uh, I often just submit things. I say things like, I feel like the Lord's saying this. I don't say, I, this says the Lord. You know, you're going to do this. I mean, that could do damage. So you kind of submit it humbly and you let the other person, you know, weigh it. So... Um, there's a bit of a mixture and we're still learning. We're all growing. You could actually grow and you can get better and better and better at discerning what God's voice and what your voice is. And, and a good way to do that is to actually ask people like, hey, does that make sense? Like uh, when I give a word, I'll, I'll ask, does that make sense? And a lot of times people will say, oh my gosh, that's right on. But sometimes it's like, no, I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's <laughs> hard. It's, that's humbling, but... Anyway, that does happen. Um, so maybe, maybe it'd be good to um, discuss kind of how we're, we're hearing God's voice. And I, I wish I had this on a slide or a, a board, but there's these two... Well, this is like an analogy, but there's these, this metaphor. Um, so there's common dishes, like something that you eat with every day, like the plastic plates and the plastic cups that you have in your home that you just, you bring out all the time. And then there's fine china that's for 
special meals, right? So I want to describe what I call like the common dish dishes way that God speaks to us. It's like the everyday. He'll do this every day. Um, and then the fine china are those very rare things that might happen to you once in a lifetime, maybe twice. I don't know. Some people, prophets get the fine china communication, so to speak, more than, than us common folk. But the common dishes are like impressions. They're like, like I sense this. I just feel it. Like when I was leading worship, I just sensed um, some, some people have surrendered to harmful hands. And I was, I was emphasizing that because God was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like tapping my heart like that's good. That, that, surrendering, that surrendering to, to harmful hands, that, there's something on that. There's something on that. I'm going to say it again, you know. And, uh, and then I, I, I feel it a little bit more, you know. It's like, okay, is there anything else going on? And it's kind of like this impression that I'm sensing. Dreams, I think dreams are way more common than they used to be. I think everyone has a dream. Like I get text dreams all the time, and they're troubling, sometimes confusing. I try not to overinterpret um, I just try to hear God, a simple message to it, but he speaks through dreams a lot. Mm. Memories, he can pull up memories. Holy Spirit has access into your memories. He'll use memories to speak. Thoughts, like words, sentences in your mind. You'll, you'll get words that come in or sentences that come into your thoughts. Mental pictures. Mm. Um, uh, sympathetic pains. So one time I was leading worship and I felt a pain in the back of my neck and I... Was, and I for some reason was able to jump out of my worship leading mode and in between songs say, there's a pain in my neck. I don't think it's mine. Does anyone need, you know, neck pain to be prayed for? Someone rose their hand. Um, it was actually someone I knew. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, then I prayed for that person on the way home as I'm driving. That person. Awesome. Sweet. So sympathetic pains. Um, Pay attention. Uh, don't, I always, I'm always trying to figure out when the moment, when the room shifts, that God's doing something different. There's like a window that opens up and it's like, oh, God's doing something. I always try to pay attention to the moments and I'm always yelling at Gen Z saying, get off the phone, you're missing the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you, the prayer meeting, it just got anointed right now and you're texting over there. Anyway, that's something I deal with. So, um, Okay, last things, and then we're going we're gonna to figure out how to do this. What? Look at this thing. Oh, that's, that's not bad, Tom. <sighs> well, good, because we have time. Shall I slow down? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, there's these three simple steps. Tom actually has like, this brilliant thing that you got from Mike, Mike Breen. It's like the wheel of, oh, yeah. yeah, I like that one. Um, Tom might do that one for you, but this one's easier. I don't have to draw anything. Okay. Um, there's three parts of receiving a prophetic word. One is just revelation, receiving the revelation. That's God disclosing something. He is letting you know something. He's giving you divine information. That's just the raw data. Just boom, he gives it to you. And then there's interpretation, and then there's application. So revelation, interpretation, application. Shall we do that thing where we say it all together? So, okay, ready? Revelation, interpretation, application. Okay, the first part. You guys, we get this really good, actually. It's just we don't think it's God. So the first part, we get that. And then what, this is where people have gotten hurt, is when the prophetic person 
gets the raw data from God and then assumes the interpretation. That has messed people up. So uh, a quick story. I I wasn't involved in this. This is something I read that I thought was very helpful. There is a very prophetic guy that saw musical notes over a man. He saw that. That's the raw data, the musical notes. That's the revelation. He went right into the interpretation and said, you're going to have an international worship mo- movement. The guy did not play any instruments. Wasn't a worship leader at all. And so they're meeting after what, what's going on. They found out that the guy actually owns like music businesses. And he was going to expand. And so they're like, why did you think he was a worship leader? I just assumed. And, and that's when interpretation, when you don't know it or it's not clear, that's when you submit stuff to people or you just I would have just said you know in retrospect I would have done it differently right I would have maybe just looked at the guy I'm seeing musical notes around his head and be like hey I'm seeing musical notes around your head like what's that about yeah. one of my friends uh, he's a new friend of mine he's from San Diego he saw the word carol on someone's forehead just he, it hasn't happened to him a lot but he just saw the word carol on someone's forehead they, it wasn't it wasn't really there he saw it in the spirit and it was like superimposed on his forehead. And he went up to the person and just said, who's Carol? Yeah. And that's so good. That's awesome. Because you have a way out too. What if it was like, you know, a hallucination and he's like, I don't know, Carol, I got to go. It's crazy. Guy. But anyway, it's so good. Who's Carol? The guy like chokes. And thinks that, that this man is a private investigator all of a sudden. Are you a private investigator? This is kind of weird, but he's having an affair on his wife with a lady named Carol. Ends up repenting. The marriage gets saved. I mean, really cool prophetic word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that story because um, he, he, he could have... I mean, think about that interpreting. If you're sitting there, Carol, you're trying to interpret... Oh, you're going to have a carol ministry. I don't know. Whoa, man, it could have went wrong, right? Who's carol? You interpret that for me, dude. Yeah. So, so I, I try, I try, I try to, uh, definitely I try to, to shy away from interpretation, especially when I'm praying for Tom and I'm, I'm getting prophetic stuff. I'm not living under the weight of what, what he's, you guys are living under. The, the stakes are high over here. You know, you're living here. And it's easy for me to be like, this is what I'm hearing and this is what you should do. It's like, no, this is what I'm sensing. You guys weigh this out, pray through it. Yeah, um, and then the application is what, what do we do with that, right? What do we do? Um, Can I yes. just quickly say a comment on that? Yeah. Like a few months ago. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, just, to, just to kind of like underline what he's saying is this okay no, no, no this is great but I I had this mu- there was a thing we were involved with that's a mic a thing we were involved with and I had been assuming it I talked to an older guy who was visiting from Britain and he listened to the story and said I think you need to ask God do I have permission wow. to look into this thing and that, it kind of gave me shudders because I was like oh, I haven't remotely been praying God do I have permission wow. I assumed. That night, I just literally prayed like a child, like, pray, God, do I have permission for this thing? The next day, Danny, and we obviously he lives 250 miles away, I hadn't seen him forever. 
then Danny, Danny just said, I just had this, I was praying for you, and I just had this picture. And he shared the picture, and then he said three times, I just feel like God's saying, you've just got permission. Wow. There's just permission, there's just permission. And, but he shared the picture, the, rev- the, the revelation, he just described it, and he didn't then say, and it means this. And I really remember that, because it did feel really weighty. Like it felt really direct, like, or potentially, and I said, do you think it could mean this or this? And he was like, think it, it could mean these things, but and it, was so, it had such integrity to it. So that's why I'm jumping up here. It's just yeah. actually, I know it sounds like, like, like a neat little thing, <clears throat> but the difference between those two first bits is so huge. Mm-hmm. And, and sharing a picture with that lightness and yeah. that integrity and not assuming interpretation, I, I just, I felt <laughs> firsthand and it was such a big difference to kind of clunky ways of things being delivered. So, sorry. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. I, I, uh, I remember that. And I, I just think you, you, you have to have, yeah, humility. I mean, I don't want to control anyone's life. That's the best part, man. I don't want to control anyone's life. I can't even do that to my own. But mm-hmm. I, I, um, I think it, it also is relieving when you know you don't have to give the interpretation because that, that could feel a little heavy if you're giving a word and it's like, now I have to explain what it means. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite stories is when uh, Grace's brother, Solomon, Grace is somewhere right, right there. He was, when he was a junior higher. Yeah, yeah, right there. Her, her older brother. He, he was at a, a restaurant with the family and he felt like he had a prophetic word for the waitress as a junior higher. And it was just hair, the word hair. Hair. This. And they were like, what does it mean? You know, like they didn't, they didn't get a meaning. They didn't, they didn't have anything clear. So they said, you know what? We're just going to share with the waitress the word hair. And Solomon, little teenage guy, the hair, you know, like says it to the waitress. The uh, waitress ends up breaking down and crying. Wow. What's happening is she's losing her hair. Mm. And they didn't know that. She has wow. medical condition, stress, whatever. They got to pray with her, you know. Mm. And, and you don't need to interpret it. You know, unless God gives that interpretation, you feel this confidence, you know, then go for it. But go for it humbly and submit it. Application is what do you do, you know. Um, that's like, what does it mean? And now you, you have to pray for the wisdom. How do we, how does this word come true? Or, you know, what, what do we do? And so the, actually, in scripture, there is a prophet prophesying something and a wrong interpretation and Paul Paul kind of like moving past this, understanding it's, it's wrong, but he does it with such kindness. So I'm going to read from Acts 21. This is, go to Acts 21. This is incredible. And this, this whole prophetic word, if we had time, we can go through where they got some of it right and some of it wrong. It's so crazy. New Testament uh, prophetic stuff, when you're starting to tamper with the interpretation and you're trying to get the application because you have a bias... Oh my gosh, if you have a bias, watch out. These guys had a bias, but it was a loving one. But you got to be careful with your, your biases. So Acts 21, starting at verse 10. I'm just going to say, While we were staying for many days, Luke is saying this, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands. And notice, he's called a prophet. Scripture's recognizing him as a prophet. So this is, he's not a false prophet, he's a prophet. He bound his feet in his hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, 
This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So he's rightly sensing that he's going to get arrested in Jerusalem. He's getting that word. It's, it's true. It's accurate. He's going to get arrested by the Jews, or, or the Jews are going to get him arrested, right? So, uh, delivered to the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him, so Luke and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul then answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die for uh, in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And earlier in chapter 20, he said, the spirits testified to me that I'm going to suffer in every city I go in. Mm-hmm. The, the spirit, just one chapter earlier, Paul says, the spirit revealed to me that I'm going to suffer in these cities that I go into. Yeah. So he, the spirits already said that. Agabus is confirming it with a prophetic word. Now, this is what happened with the people with the biases. They don't want Paul to go. They got the raw data. You're going to get arrested in Jerusalem, Paul. And they, the interpretation, they interpreted it as a warning. <gasps> oh, no, Paul, don't go. That was their interpretation. You're going to get arrested. That's the raw data. The interpretation is, oh, it's God warning you. And so they applied it. Don't go. That's the application is not to go. Paul, who's mature and knows what the Spirit's saying, He's like, guys, this is just confirming what I already know. You're ha- you have the interpretation wrong, and you have the application wrong. I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. I'm ready to die. Like, I'm ready to do this. God already spoke to me. I'm, I'm going. And so they ended up maybe getting a little bit of an argument, but at the end of it, they just said, let the will of the Lord be done. 